wanted to offer some encouragement today uh, to people who are feeling discouraged uh, or people who are um, depressed or sad or going through difficult times. And I was thinking about how to introduce this topic uh, to say some words to people going through difficult times as if that's just a percentage of humanity. Um, everybody goes through difficult times. And there's a sense in which all of the time that we live in this world is difficult. And everything in us, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, tells you there's something wrong with the world around me. Even if you live in a place where there's relative peace and prosperity, and you live in a place where there's safety, you can't help but notice there's something wrong with the world around me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my thoughts, and my body is falling apart if, you, if you're aging. Um, even when you're, when you're younger, I remember uh, the injuries that I sustained you know, playing sports when I was younger. I, Badly, badly, badly broke my left thumb. I had to have surgery. I had to have a pin put in it, wires put in it. It was awful. It was a terrible injury. I broke and dislocated my left pinky twice. Uh, I broke um, the bone uh, in the between my pinky knuckle and my wrist uh, when I was in high school. And the pain of breaking my hand, dislocating my finger when I was a kid, when I was little, I just couldn't believe how much that hurt. And... I just thought, why did God even make me and put me in this world of horrors like this? The thing is, though, God made paradise. God made a world that was perfect. But after man fell into sin, Genesis 3.18, we're, we're told by God here um, that we're going to have to work the ground by the sweat of our brow and so forth. But he says both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And that's why we bury people. We're, we were made out of the earth, and uh, eventually when we die, we return to the earth. But that's not the way things were supposed to be. Man was created to live forever. All of these soulish creatures in the world, not plants, um, but animals, were created to live forever, not die. But that passage, thorns and thistles, I thought about that a lot through the years because I thought I had jobs where I worked outside in thorns and thistles. <laughs> um, I was a landscape uh, person for a while, and that was hard work. It was backbreaking work. We did pinescapes where you take a bobcat and you use the big the forks on the bobcat to put the huge pine trees with the big burlap balls. The things weighed four or 500 pounds each. You had to hand dig these giant holes and it was really hard work. I, my arms and hands were covered with pine sap for entire summers. And it was almost like it was just a waste of time trying to get it all off because you were just gonna get more on yourself the next day. So I had, I had pine sap stains all over my, my hands and my, forearms and my face and my shoulders it was tough and so i got cuts and bruises and was sore all the time sunburned and thorns and thistles 
So when I graduated from college, I had a degree in computer programming. And so I worked in a nice air conditioned office. And I remember sitting there, I worked uh, in Akron for a while. And then I worked in Cincinnati for several years as a, as a computer programmer. And it would be, you know, 96, 97 degrees. And I'd be in this nice air conditioned office with a, a shirt and tie on. And uh, I was like, this is nice to not, you know, be out there in the sun. It's nice not be not to have a machete hacking through the forest i was a land, i was a, a surveyor's assistant i had to take metal detectors and find the pins in the ground uh, and hack through the woods looking for location pins uh, to, to for property lines and stuff and that was a, that was a pain too i got i used to get bit by bugs and um and i got poison sumac once that was so bad i just wanted to rip the skin on my arm off just like i got not too long ago that was way that was the last time i had it was like 20 something years ago doing landscape or doing the surveyors system but there's thorns and thistles everywhere but when i was a computer program i thought well i don't have to worry about thorns and thistles anymore no there's thorns and thistles in your programming too and you you run into thorns and thistles so they don't cut your fingers but they stress you out and they're a pain so thorns and thistles take on all different shapes and sizes depending on what kind of work you do but also there's thorns and thistles in everything else in life, too. Whether it's marriage, raising kids, um, everything else. Everything has got thorns and thistles in it. Everything's hard now. I was thinking about, you know, all the years I've been married, and, you know, I, I'm married to the best person I've ever met. I don't, I don't just say that because I'm supposed to. I really do mean that. I married the best, the best person that I've ever met. And Amy and I look at each other sometimes and think, you know, wow, think about the things that we have been through since we got married. And, you know, we've had several miscarriages. Uh, we've dealt with, you know, rebellion in our kids. We've dealt with um, very serious illnesses in our children um, with three of them. And uh, one, my 11-year-old, my you know, was, was very, very, very sick. Um, just a few months ago, he's a type one diabetic. Turns out, and um, that's been that was really hard. I that was that was a moment where I have not prayed that hard in a long time, where I was really begging God not to not to take my son from me. He was in ICU uh, at a children's hospital for four days, and um, you know those doctors, two of them, told me. Um, he had, they, they told me he had one foot over the Grand Canyon is the way they put it. And I have gotten on my knees and praise God that he's doing so well now. But, but talking to that diabetes educator, we had to talk to this person. They, they didn't teach us how to take care of him. Um, she told us, you guys are his pancreas now. And Amy and I sat there for hours learning how to use syringes, learning how to check carbohydrates, learning how to jab you know that your fingertips to get a little little pool of blood out to check for glucose um using the little monitors and we've had to learn how to use the devices we have we've had to buy special phones that can communicate with each other i can see his blood sugar level on my smartphone because it's connected to his phone that's connected to two devices that he wears on his body and we've had to learn how to monitor those devices and to make sure they're working correctly and he knows how to turn up the different settings and stuff like that and how to pull 
insulin out of insulin pens and vials and put them in the pump and how not to waste it and everything. And it's, it's been really tough. And when this lady first sat down with us, this, this uh, diabetes educator, he just launched right into it with this manual, which is like, we got to take people through this whole manual. If, because if he leaves here and you and, and your wife don't know how to take care of him, he'll die. If you guys don't know how to monitor his blood sugar and how to give him insulin. And I, I said, may I ask you a question? I said, what is, I don't even know what diabetes is. I don't even know what it is. And the way she explained it made me cry. <laughs> I sat there and cried. I got really emotional because she described it as, well, we don't know why this happens, but people's pancreas just stop. It just stops making insulin. They don't really know for sure what triggers it and they can't reverse it. Once your your pancreas decides not to make insulin anymore, it will it will at least as far as they know it'll never make insulin again ever. You'll be you are dependent on insulin for the rest of your life. Type one and type two diabetes are real different. Type two you can control a little bit more. Um, it's not as it's not as bad as type one. Type one is the worst one. Type one uh, diabetes is a killer. And the way she described it, I I, I said so basically. A hundred years ago, if you got this, she said, yeah, everybody that got this died. Everyone that got it died. And I just thought, wow. <clears throat> and she said, and you're, you're fortunate to live when you do because the technology is so much better. The insulin is so much better that if you stay on top of it and you do a good job monitoring it and he, you know, is good about diet and exercise and everything else, he can live a normal lifespan. And she was telling me that, you know, not in the not too distant past, if you had type one diabetes, you might live to be 30, 40, something like that. And then you would, you would die. And it was so stressful. I mean, we first got him home from the hospital after those four gut wrenching days and just begging God to help us, you know, he had spikes in his blood sugar and I was freaking out, and I, you know, uh, and it was just really, really hard. Thankfully, my little boy is like the best little guy to have this. Even my other kids have all said he's the only one that could handle this as well as he has. And he, you know, it was hard having to screw on little needles. We have boxes of hundreds of these needles with insulin pens. And there's long-acting insulin and short-acting. You have to give them a big injection of long-acting for nighttime, and you have, to, you have to calculate carbs and do a certain number of units before each meal. And it's like once you're committed to eating a certain amount of food, you got to eat it all because you, you dosed enough insulin to, to compensate for all those carbs. And I said, son, you know, how are you doing with, you know, me having to give you these shots all the time? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Dad, I am just so thankful to God to feel better. And I just thought, wow, that's great. That really touched my heart because they told us, you know, a little boy his age is probably going to eventually get to where he's just sick of us and he doesn't want it. And he hasn't complained at all. Not He has not complained a single time, not once. And he looks great now. He looked terrible before. He just looked, his, his eyes were sinking in. And he was so sick. And it was just really upsetting. He was diagnosed with strep throat. And they, they think that may have been, they said a virus can sometimes shut your, trigger that, that uh, event with your pancreas. But 
So we've learned all about diabetes. That's been a very painful thing, a very hard thing. But I praise God every day, every day for insulin. And I praise God for Omnipod insulin pumps and Dexcom monitors and these smartphone apps. I mean, the technology is amazing. It really is incredible. And we've had no issues ever since we've we've gotten really good at it and he's gotten really good at it. We really don't have any issues now. So now it's just a matter of, you know, getting all the supplies and the materials and making sure we've got everything we need to, you know, to make sure he's got the insulin pump on one arm and the, the glucose monitor on the other and the phones track everything. And it's, it's wonderful. But everything in life has got thorns and thistles and God has, in his sovereign plan has made me look into the face of some pretty horrific stuff. Some other things I'm, I'm not going to talk about in detail uh, because they've been so awful. And I feel older than I actually am because of how hard certain things have been for my family, for me. And yet, by the grace of God, he's carried us through it all. And my precious wife and I, we take each other by the hand and pray every day, every day, twice a day for all of our kids and for each other, for our marriage. And God has really blessed all of that. He's blessed these trials so that they have not been wasted on us. But I'll tell you, my heart really goes out to non-Christians in general, because if I really thought this was all I had, that this world was it. I don't know that I'd be able to cope overly well knowing that this is the one, the one existence you will ever have because something is so obviously wrong with everything in the world. Something's wrong with everything. I've been, I was listening to an update about the, the war with Hamas over there in, in Gaza and all the horrific stuff that's been going on. And it's just the, the stuff going on on university campuses and anti-Semitism and everything. And you just think, that kind of bigotry and racism stuff, it's such a scourge to the world. It, it just shows you how evil people really are. To just make blanket judgments about people because of their skin color or where they're from or something like that. It's just terrible that people treat each other that way. The inhumanity of man to man, even that, that's just more thorns and thistles. It's thorns and thistles that we have to wade through. Church life. Being an elder, being a pastor, there's a lot of thorns and thistles in that. You get cut and and get all kinds of stuff happen to you uh, with being a minister and try, trying to be faithful, trying to teach sound doctrine. I mean, few, there, there are a few thorns and fewer thistles that are that hurt more than working really hard to teach sound doctrine and people won't receive it. They just will not um, accept what Scripture says. You know, it's a, that's, that can be a real hard thing. No, that's not that generally not true here. At, I'm, I'm blessed with a, a wonderful congregation. That's generally not true here at all, hardly at all. But that is a very painful thing. Uh, when you, you do all the reading, you do all the studying, and you work real hard to, to put together stuff that, that should make sense and walk people through the text of Scripture to see uh, folks reject you or re to reject the Word, uh, that's hard. That's, that's painful. That's a thorn and a thistle that's part of pastoral ministry. And we're told everywhere in Scripture, we're promised that you're, we're going to suffer. We're promised that things are going to be hard on us. And so I just want to encourage everybody to remember that. The thorns and the thistles are not limited to... Um, 
to your job and your vocation. The thorns and thistles are everywhere. They're everywhere in life. And Paul said at the end of Galatians, you know, and Galatians is a pretty fiery letter. <clears throat> he said in Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary, pardon me, while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't grow weary while doing good. Don't sit and just meditate on all the hard things that you, you have going on in your life right now. Don't just sit and meditate on the thorns and the thistles. Meditate on the goodness of God. Meditate upon the promises of God. Meditate on the work of Christ. So one of the most amazing parts of what he did that I think is often not um, focused on, it's not talked about, I think, as much as it should be, and that is that he wore a crown of thorns. He wore a crown of thorns. Now, thorns and thistles, we're told, that's part of the curse. Part of the curse is that our work is going to have thorns and thistles. In other words, as you're trying to do your work and the labor that God has given you to do, you're going to get cut and hurt. You're stepped on a thistle plant or a stinging nettle. That's one thing. I used to walk around in the backyard in my bare feet because we have a nice little field that's got, you know, it looks really nice and the grass is nice and cool. I don't do that anymore because I, I did a, a full weight stomp down into a stinging nettle plant. And I think that thing jabbed a million little nettles up into my foot. I mean, it was extremely painful. So I don't go outside with my bare feet anymore, even though my kids still do. Um, because those thorns and thistles are just everywhere. But Jesus wore a crown of thorns. It's symbolic, I think, of the curse, of him bearing the curse of our disobedience, bearing the curse of sin and bearing that curse away. I've wondered what happened to the, the crown of thorns. I think he was wearing it the entire time he was on the cross. And when they took him down from the cross to wrap him up in the grave clothes, and Joseph of Arimathea did that, they probably just threw it away. They probably just took the crown of thorns off and threw it away because it wasn't in the tomb there, and, and it was never seen or heard from again, as far as I know. But that was symbolic. It was symbolic. One of the wonderful things, thinking about heaven and eternal life and the new heavens and the new earth, it's a place where righteousness dwells. There will be nothing there that can hurt you. There will be nothing there that can stick you like that or cut you like that or step on like that. No thorns and no thistles. But God knows that we're going to get discouraged having to constantly wade through thorns and thistles in every area of our lives, in our families, with our children, with our health, with our children's health, in our marriage relationships, in our church life. There's just thorns and thistles everywhere. Jesus wore a crown of thorns, and after he died, he was taken down from the cross. I guess Joseph of Arimathea, they probably took it off, you know, they probably took it off with some disdain, thinking that was so disrespectful that they did that to him, and they probably just threw it away. I think that's glorious. He bore that crown of thorns, and it's gone forever. Never heard of from again. We don't hear anything else about that crown that those Roman soldiers twisted together. But there's some symbolism there. Because thorns, things that stick and hurt, that's part of the fall. That wasn't in the original creation. It wasn't in the world. It wasn't in the, in the Garden of Eden. Everything there 
is for our benefit. There's nothing that can hurt us in heaven. So I want to encourage you, don't grow weary while doing good. Yeah, I know, while you're trying to do good, you're going to hit thorns and thistles, you're going to get cuts and bruises and hurt. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Have you ever lost heart? Maybe you've lost heart. Maybe you feel like your heart's been trampled into the ground and it's gone. Just want to encourage you. Jesus and the apostles, they knew what it was to be sad, to be down, to feel the weight of thorns and thistles in every area of their lives. Jesus understood betrayal. All of his friends betrayed him. They deserted him. They left him to be arrested and, and die. Jesus understood all of that, every kind of suffering, betrayal, lying, people lying about him, slandering him. So don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. The thorns and the thistles are but for a short time. They're but for a very short time. Let me read one more passage for you. For our light affliction, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. But isn't it easier to look at the things you can see because you can see them? You have to go to Scripture. You have to go to the revelation of God in Scripture to see with the eyes of faith the things that are unseen. And what are the things that are unseen that he's talking about here? That we are forgiven of all of our sins. That we are justified and declared righteous before God. That we are adopted into God's family. That his Holy Spirit indwells us and never leaves or forsakes us. No matter what trials we pass through or how discouraged we might feel or alone we might feel, we are never alone. He never, ever, 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 ever leaves or forsakes us. Those are the things that are not seen. And those are the things that are eternal. The thorns and the thistles, your afflictions, your diseases, your painful scars from hurt, those are but for a moment. But for a moment. And they are working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So, don't look at the things which are seen. Look at the things which are not seen. Take care of what's in your power. Don't worry about what you can't fix, what you can't control. Learn to really give thanks to God and to stop thinking about and meditating on and, and worrying about them. Give yourself some peace. As my father always told me, son, I don't worry, I pray. Worry is demonic meditation. That's what my dad used to tell me. And he would say, son, I don't worry, I pray, because God's going to be up all night anyway. And I'll tell you, I've never met anyone that sleeps better than my dad. And my dad went through some very, very hard things in his life. But that's what it is. Don't grow weary. Don't be discouraged. Learn to look at the things which are not seen. The things that are not seen. Because God himself is invisible. We see what he made. We see what he's done in history. We have the record of the eyewitnesses that saw Jesus and saw the great redemption, saw his resurrection. But we've never seen him, but we know he's there, and we trust in him. Don't let your light afflictions. Okay, now, by, by the way, what Paul means by light affliction is imprisonment, 
beatings, shipwrecked in the in the ocean, hanging on to a plank of wood, um, being beaten, scourged, drug out of a city and left for dead. He calls that a light affliction. Okay, if that's a light affliction, then my, my afflictions are featherweight afflictions. <laughs> but you know what? Everyone's pain is real. And the stuff that you experience and I experience, which pro probably are not on the same level that Paul experienced, it still hurts. And those thorns and thistles are real. And they really do hurt us. But don't look at the things that are seen. Look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The one thing I want to promise you on the authority of God's word, one thing you will never see in heaven is a thorn or a thistle. Thanks for watching or listening.